listening to Hidden History, and I'm your host, Ellis Tucci. If you know any way that we can improve our content for you, the listener, drop us a line at hiddenhistory.show forward slash contact. To catch up on all our past episodes and hear new ones every week, head on over to your Apple Podcasts app, Spotify, or hiddenhistory.show and learn something new today. A warning about the content of this episode. This week, we will be dissecting the rise and fall of a bigot. Would it all possible, I will not read you her quotes, but rather play clips of audio and let her speak for herself. This is Hidden History, and you're listening to episode 46. Anita Bryant sucks oranges. Buckle up. Here's our first Uh, one. uh, Because if you don't flaunt it, who's going to know you're homosexual or or not, you see? What they wanted to do was to flaunt it and uh, to not lose their jobs because of it. If we were going to go on a crusade across the nation and try to do away with the homosexuals, uh, then we certainly would have done it on June the 8th after one of the most overwhelming victories in the country. Um, uh, but we didn't. We, we, we tried to avoid it and went into a place called Norfolk, Virginia, and were met with protest and uh, um, all kinds of problems. And uh, uh, every... Oh, oh, oh. Security agents, security agents. No, no, let, let him stay. No. Let him stay. Well, at least stay. it's a fruit pie. What you just heard was the sweet, sweet sound of Anita Bryant, a washed-up musician and paranoid homophobe, having a pie thrown in her face on October 14, 1977. The whole thing was captured on video by NBC reporters, so you can go watch it if you'd like. But for now, there's still a little bit of audio left, so let's see how things played out. Let's pray. Let's pray for him right now. Anita, let's pray. Anita, why don't you pray? That's all right. Father, we want to thank you for the opportunity of coming to Des Moines. And Father, I want to ask that you forgive him. That we love him. And that we love him. And that we're praying for him to be delivered from his deviant lifestyle, Father. And I just... We, we forgive you, and we love you. Thank you. Could we ask you to leave I don't want this man touched or harmed in any way. I'll leave him. All right, I don't mind. You have done your cause more harm. Thus always to bigots. Do you know who's here? Thus always to you bigots. You know who saw you do that? We welcome you to the Midwest. We hope you come back. Do you know who saw you do that? We love you as a person. This man is from Rolling Stone magazine. We love you Do you, you know what kind of publicity you're going to get? stand the garbage you spelt. So we can already tell from listening to that little bit of audio that Anita Bryant is an incredibly unsavory person. But just for the sake of posterity, let's listen to a little bit more. Let's find out just how bad she really is. taking this stand now and perhaps jeopardizing that. According to the word of God, it's an abomination uh, to practice homosexuality. And the same is true for, like, Archbishop Carroll, who took the stand that he would go to jail rather than to uh, hire known homosexuals into their schools. And our pastor said that he would do the same and would even burn the school rather than allow them to be taught the homosexuals. And uh, we feel as strongly 
Now, uh, so this county ordinance is asking us, in essence, to go against the law of Florida and to go against even more important what we believe is above the law of the land, God's law, whether you believe it or not. Why should our civil rights be taken away from us? Where is your human sense of decency and fairness to people who are different than you? As long as they do their job and do not want to come out of the closet and force their homosexuality uh, on me in the areas of, of business or in the schools, they can they can live their life. And I'm, we're not going out after their jobs or trying to get them out of their teaching jobs or housing. Suppose you found out in some way that one of your children was a homosexual. What would you do? Well, first of all, I would love them and not disown them because they're my children. And I would tell them that God loves them that I love them very much. And I would try to deal with that problem in the light that God does, that he loves us as, as uh, sinners, but he hates our sin, and that he cannot abide by sin. He cannot tolerate sin in our lives. Just biologically, that God made mothers so that we could reproduce. Homosexuals cannot reproduce biologically, but they have to reproduce by recruiting our children. Anita, have you had any particular personal experience that has made you so bitter about homosexuals? I am not bitter about homosexuals. I want to tell you something, Barbara. What God's Word says, that someone who practices homosexuality shall not inherit the kingdom of God. God is very plain. That was an interview from a 1977 segment of the television series Who's Who. So, now that we've thoroughly established that Anita Bryant is an insipid and summarily awful person, I've realized that I may have gotten just a little bit ahead of myself. We should probably talk just a tiny bit about who she actually is. Bryant was born on April 25, 1940, in the small town of Barnsdall, Oklahoma. She began singing competitively at a very early age, appearing on stage at various community fairs around the state. She saw a moderate amount of success. Her singing, paired with her adherence to conventional beauty standards, earned her the prestigious title of Miss Oklahoma 1958, the momentum from which shot her to such unbelievable heights as second place in the 1959 Miss America pageant. From then on, she began to record a series of, at best, moderately successful country songs, with one number five hit, a song called Paper Roses. One of Brian's defining personal characteristics was her extreme Christian faith. It found its way into everything she did. Even as she began to tour with the USO, performing mainstream music for soldiers in Vietnam, she began to release more and more songs focused around the importance of Christianity and a Christian life. It was through this religious lens that she began to lament the current state of America. What she saw as the destruction of America by evil forces set on dismantling the American family. Bryant saw herself as a good Christian family woman. This public-facing image, paired with her appearance and general notoriety as a musician, are likely the factors that inspired the Florida Citrus Commission, now known as Florida's Natural Growers, to hire her as their spokesperson in 1969 to the tune of $500,000 per year. Anita now had money which meant that she had the power to parlay her ideas about how people should live their lives to exceedingly larger audiences. That same year, she would sing the Star Spangled Banner at the Super Bowl, a role she would reprise only two years later. 
it was clear that she had a platform and a good amount of social power. Then came the time for Anita Bryant to flex her muscles. But first, you know me. You know how much I love context. We've got to talk a little bit about the cultural climate that made Anita Bryant comfortable with opening her big stupid mouth. To do that, we're going to need to go back three decades to 1941 and work our way forward. 1941 is when the United States Army began to incorporate questions about homosexuality into their psychiatric screenings for potential soldiers. This initial addition marks a change in army policy insomuch as homosexuality was now viewed as a mental illness as opposed to a crime. This establishment of mental illness status led to the 1947 adoption of new State Department security protocols which sought to root out both communists and homosexuals from government service. This 1947 change in security protocol was brought on by Harry Truman's Executive Order 9835, which ordered the re-evaluation of over 3 million federal employees. Of that number, only 300 were deemed security risks and dismissed. The following era from 1947 throughout the 50s was known as the Lavender Scare. It coincided with Joseph McCarthy's Red Scare and, in fact, was actively instigated by the paranoid politician who used homosexuality as a smear tactic for his opponents. He was once quoted as saying, and forgive me for the language, quote, If you want to be against McCarthy, boys, you've got to be either a communist or a cocksucker. Pressure from the McCarthyist witch hunt inspired Dwight Eisenhower's Executive Order 10450, which once again redefined security standards for federal employees. One of the new grounds that required the dismissal of a federal worker was, quote, sexual perversion. But anti-gay bigotry was not limited to the federal government alone, though they did have a large hand in encouraging and institutionalizing it. One of the more infamous ways in which they tried to accomplish this was through the 1964 publication of the pamphlet Homosexuality and Citizenship in Florida, also known as the Purple Pamphlet. The Purple Pamphlet was essentially a compilation of pornographic images of gay men that was meant to convince the public that this was a group of people who were not deserving of civil rights. If I'm being honest here, not a great look for the federal government, which historically does not have the best record with the civil rights of minority groups. But anyway, all of this sets the stage for the ordinance. It was passed by Miami-Dade County in 1977 and expanded the definition of discrimination-protected groups to include sexual orientation. This did not please Anita Bryant. So she launched a grassroots campaign to repeal the legislation. She called the new group Save the Children, but then the real Save the Children charity sued her and forced her to change the name. Save Our Children was born. Their tactics consisted of framing homosexuals as being promiscuous and evil, as well as both a threat to the traditional American family and to the children of Dade County. She wondered aloud in public speeches, quote, If homosexuals are allowed to change the law in their favor, why not prostitutes, thieves, or murderers? The tactics of Save Our Children led to the mobilization of the Christian right, sending the push to repeal the ordinance to victory, with pro-repeal forces carrying an astonishing 70% of the vote. 
Bryan's coalition would then spread across the country, leading to the repeal of anti-discrimination laws in Kansas and Oregon. Backlash against Bryant, though, would be swift and merciless. As a result of the controversy of her public statements throughout 1977, she barely worked at all that year. The advertisers who had previously made her wealthy began to drop like flies. And then came the orange juice. One of Anita Bryant's most public roles was as the spokesperson for the Florida Citrus Commission. So in order to hit her where it really hurt, activist groups around the nation organized a strike against the Citrus Commission. They just stopped drinking orange juice. Gay bars stopped selling screwdrivers and mimosas and started selling the Anita Bryant cocktail, which was just vodka and apple juice. Eventually, in 1979, Florida orange growers decided that Bryant was hurting their image far too much, and so they canned her. Anita Bryant then began her precipitous descent into obscurity. In reaction to her 1980 divorce, the Christian fundamentalist communities which she had so carefully courted and built alliances with turned their backs on her. In 1990, she remarried, trying and failing to reignite her music career. By the late 90s, she had already declared bankruptcy in three states, and now she wallows in ignominy in a small town in Oklahoma at the age of 79. So, we can be happy, right? The awful bigot lost, and the people fighting for civil rights won. Bryant was completely discredited and lost all of her power and influence, right? Well, wrong. The legacy of Anita Bryant and Save Our Children casts a long, long shadow. Her activism helped establish the idea of the right-wing moral majority, which has an incredible amount of influence on the way modern Republicans govern and approach social policy. It was only in 1998 that Dade County voted to reinstate the anti-discrimination ordinance, and that vote only passed 7 to 6. In 2002, there was a vote to overturn the statute once again. It only lost by 6%. In 2004, a federal appellate court upheld Florida's ban on gay adoption. It was only in 2008 that the law was repealed. And of course, Oberfell v. Hodge, the case that established the right of same-sex marriage, was only decided four years ago. In 2005, Anita Bryant's hometown named a street after her. In the past few years, we have come a long way in terms of LGBTQ rights, but we shouldn't be patting ourselves on the back for finally giving people their civil rights. That's not something that we should be proud of. We should be embarrassed and ashamed of our past, and definitely not draw from it to inspire a future great America based on a mythic and false past. So let's try and keep moving forward. And for God's sake, let's try and learn from the mistakes of the past. This is Ellis Tucci at Hidden History, <laughs> signing off.